This is the Simon Dyson rule. 2013 BMW Masters. Simon Dyson taps a spike mark in front of his ball, is disqualified, charged $49,000, and gets a two-month ban from the European tour. Wait, wait, he got charged? $49,000 because it's against the rules. It was seen as an act of cheating to tap down the spike mark. You should call the European tour, Simon, get that money back. Welcome to another episode of the Golf.com podcast. This one is streaming live for the first time on Facebook because it's a crazy big day in the golf world. Huge. Huge day. This is Jeff Redder. This is Sean Steinman. I am Sean Zock. Facebook, how are you? Yeah. And we're on Facebook Live because, as I said, big day in the golf world. The USGA and the RNA, two of golf's governing bodies, have proposed some pretty drastic changes to the rules of golf. They have proposed more than 100 changes to the current rulebook. 36 of them are very key, major, main changes to the rule book. We're going to get into just about all of them right now, but Jeff, your first impression on what the USGA and RNA have combined to do here. First impression is positive. Uh, it's obvious the mission here was uh, the, for the rules to become simpler, for golfers to just understand, and also to speed up play. So to make the game simpler to play, faster to play, uh, and they took steps to get there. I don't think they took every step we could have ever wanted to get there. We'll, I know we'll get into that, but I look at this list and I see the vast majority of these are great ideas and I think will be widely received by the public. It makes sense. A lot of the things are cut and dry. Some of them the USGA and RNA are going to work through over the next 18 months or so to make it really fine print stuff. And it's going to be all released and go into effect January 1, 2019. So we've got some time in this uh, middle ground period, this this saving grace period, really, <laughs> where people can figure out whether these rules work and whether they don't work. Let's start with the first one. I think this is the most drastic one. It has to do with dropping a golf ball. Now, the USG and RNA have come together. That The current rule is that if you hit the ball out of bounds, you hit it into a hazard, you need to drop a golf ball, get another ball back in play. Right. You're supposed to stand erect. You're supposed to put your, uh, the ball shoulder height and drop it. You actually have to drop it from your shoulder height. Nowadays, the new rule goes as the only requirement is for the player to hold the ball above the ground without letting it touch any growing thing or any other natural or artificial object and let it go so that it falls through the air before coming to rest to avoid any doubt. It is recommended that the ball be dropped from at least one inch above any growing object. That means you could get down to this close to the ground yeah. and drop your golf ball and put it in play. That is a significant change. Especially when yeah. you had to be shoulder height before. So yeah. Big, is, big change. So it's funny. I mean, like, again, most of these changes I think are great and will be easy for people to understand. We're starting right out of the gate with the one rule that I think reads a little funny. And, and this, it's just that image of being able to drop a ball one inch off the ground. Golfers already have back trouble. Now you're now you're encouraging golfers to get down one inch off the turf and drop that golf ball. Uh, that's just kind of I don't know. It feels a little well, goofy to me. Well, to I have didn't. That, I but. never really agreed with the rule in the first place because if everyone's at shoulder length and you take Lydia Ko and Michelle Wee, <laughs> okay, their true, shoulder sure. heights yeah. are totally different. You could give yourself a fried egg lie. So it really doesn't matter yeah. where you're dropping it from, you know. So I really don't think that. 
it, it changes too too much in yeah. terms of what lie you're going to get. I think it's just kind of a it helped to speed it up. You can just drop it however you want. That's a good yeah. point. It's yeah. my favorite rule in, in as far as the rules changes go. I think it's going to be funny. It's really going to be funny. Yeah. You're going to see uh, two masters from now. You're going to see someone, you know, uh, who's hooked the ball left on 15 uh, who wants to get a nice little kind of preferred lie. You know, just get down there and just get <laughs> yeah. really, in a really tight little, you know, between the trees and – Look, with Jim Nance forward. chiming in, and now he's getting down to drop the yeah, ball. Yeah. I look forward yeah. to someone being in a hazard and actually being about high, high level with what they're trying to drop it on. So it's like at uh, their face, huh. so they can just, you know. <laughs> that will be ridiculous, but those are the kind of things that we're going to see now. And I would like to point out the only case that I could find where someone got called for this was at the 2012 LPGA CME title holders. <laughs> well, nice Young job Yu with the research. Wow. Got called for not dropping at shoulder length. And I think it actually dropped her out of the lead at the point. Uh, I think it was midway. So she got penalized for it. It was the only uh, case I could find where someone actually got penalized for it. Wow. It's a. It's not a rule that I, I would have ever expected to yeah. change. I yeah. mean, golfers know this rule. Amateurs who play casual games with their buddies, I mean, most of my friends and family, they kind of do the drop kick rule where you just kind of drop it from whatever maybe and then give it a little kick into a better lie. That You know, that's how casual rounds go at least yeah. uh, among the ritters but i didn't i didn't really see this as a rule that needed to be changed but if you're if you're just going to look at everything and try to make everything simpler for people yep. for everyday golfers then it makes sense i yeah. think that's a great point it. so i feel like in with these changes they really have just listened to the everyday golfer they right. may have been doing this anyway they're just kind of saying you know you've been you're right and here's what we're going to do yeah ma- making things more simple is a theme that you'll see if you pay attention here anyone on facebook if you have comments and if you want to ask questions about these new proposed changes, we've had about a week to look at them all, study them, kind of get to know them as well as we can. So chime in. We're going we're gonna to keep it flowing here. Another really simple rule. This is a rule that was a uh, proposed change that was the shor- shortest amount of text, actually, that the USGA sent us. Really tiny, which is great. And what it is, it's the time allowed for a ball search. So typically nowadays, you hit your ball into the weeds and into the fescue. And you've got five minutes once you get to the appropriate spot to find your ball. If you don't find it in five minutes, then you need to go back to the first tee or to the tee you're at. Well, that five-minute rule has been changed to three minutes, so you've cut it down by 40%. It's. I think this is also. It, it won't be. It won't seem as drastic, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Of of the list, like you said, taking something that was already, you know, the rule was very clear. Five minutes. Cut it down to three. No brainer. This is done. I mean, all of these are proposed changes that'll be reviewed over the next year. But this, to me, is one that's just a slam dunk. No one's, I, no one's, yeah. no one's gonna. Two minutes per lost ball cut off for Sean Zaki. That's about <laughs> two hours per round. So I think Thank it's you. a huge move in the right yeah. direction yeah. to help speed up the game. On some days, that's very true. Now, I was just thinking, like Jeff, do you even search for five minutes when you throw one wide? Do you actually even go in there and you're spending five I, minutes? It's I don't. Very think you do. rare that I spend five. Um, I, I'm more of like the casual pass, the one pass through, and then yeah. we just move on. So, yeah. If you've got um, if you've got your foursome, digging through and kind of kicking through the weeds, and you can't find it in five minutes or three minutes now, like. You're not going to find the golf ball. I do have the only time I can think where this happens is my dad is, has one of those ball retrievers to fish balls out of the pond. So he'll th- those take five minutes. He's <laughs> one in the pond. He's going to get his golf ball back plus three others. But overall, no. This is this is an easy change. This is yeah. a no brainer. Five yeah. minutes down to three. Great idea. Yeah, it's a pace. Go. It's a pace of play rule. Yeah, and I and I really I really enjoy that they included this within it. Now, 
along the lines of pace of play. This is not a rule, but it's a recommendation that the USGA and RNA have put out there. Uh, currently, there's no recommendation in the in the rules of golf for how long it should take you to address your ball, think about what club you want to use, take in all the information, and hit your shot. But now, it's 40 seconds. The new rule is that players are recommended to make each stroke in no more than 40 seconds. And regardless if that seems like a lot of time to you or if it seems like not enough time, I think it's plenty. 40 seconds if you sit there and wait in silence back at home or watch the little dial on Facebook Live. 40 seconds from now, we're going to almost be on a new topic. So all I think is that this is plenty of time for golfers to get out there and continue the game flow. I do, I do like that, that they are putting a time on it now, and kind of I think it's a step towards maybe getting to a point yeah. where you could get penalized for yeah. it, whereas before it was you just— You need a first step. Yeah, I think that's kind of what this is. Um, I think they're kind of looking at the slower players out on tour a little bit with this one, just kind of saying, guys, step it up a little bit, and it'll help a lot. Yeah, I like that. You have to draw a line somewhere, right? Who are the fast players on tour? Who's slow? What? How do you define it? So this is the first step. Now yeah. we have a bar yeah. that's set at 40, 40 seconds. I do wonder about putting. I feel like this might be the one area where pros tend to take a little longer than than 40. Doesn't really specify. Yeah. Uh, putting on the green, it's more. I don't know. It seems a little open ended, but I like the idea of now we can at least define. Yeah, it would be interesting to, to see where they uh, incorporate the read into that. Into yeah. your point, because obviously they're putting a lot of time into the read, but they're right. they're putting for a little bit more money than we would for our That's usually, true. Yeah, That's our weekend true. Nassau, you know. But I mean, anyone listening right now at home should watch the WGC Mexico Championship this weekend and watch Jordan Spieth or watch Jason Day. Well, he won't be there. Excuse yeah. me. Watch Jordan Spieth. Walk around the green, size up this green, and just see how long it actually takes him. But don't call in because these are proposed changes. They aren't in effect yet, so don't call the PJ Tour this weekend. Yeah, don't, don't be sitting there at your couch in your basement with a little, little stopwatch. <laughs> Jordan Speed, you're taking 43 seconds. Um, Somebody will do that. Golf? Hey, golf if it's for the better of the game and a quicker pace of play. Here we go. Roger Booth on Facebook wants to know, what if they limited it to one practice swing? Do you think that would be? Oh, I, I don't uh, think that's too fair. much. Sorry, I Raj. Yeah, I don't, I don't think know. it's fair just because I think if you've got guys like Jordan Spieth, do you think he needed just one practice swing on the 12th green at Augusta last year? What do you think one practice swing is going to do for him? That would be like limiting uh, a free throw shooter to one dribble. You know, everybody yeah. kind of has mm. their own routine yeah. as long as as long as you just get the shot off. A novel the right concept. Of time, uh, I, I'm okay with it. I yeah, like the way he's idea. thinking. I've yeah. never thought of that yeah. before. I just <laughs> what what constitutes a practice swing? You know, you open up a little yeah. bit of gray area there. But regardless, it's a good thought. Included in those recommendations is that ready golf is encouraged when safe and applicable. So, you know, to continue Sean's analogy, let's say I do throw it wide and I'm trying to find my golf ball, and he's out there in the middle of the fairway like he tends to be, and he's ready to play, and he doesn't need to wait for me to get in front of him so that he has, you know. The, the honor to play. I think that is something that people should take this recommendation really to heart and just right. incorporate that into their everyday game. This is another great example of the, the rules of the game bending towards the people as opposed to the pros. This is how most recreational rounds work, but it's not how it works at all on the tours. Mm -mm. And so I could see this creating some fun situations where you have faster players mixed with slow players. Oh, man. It's happened a couple times yeah. over the years where I, for some Rory reason, Rory Sabatini, Sabatini and Ben Crane, he yeah. just left them. Just <laughs> and now this is apparently, you know, this is kosher and now going forward. So I'm interested to see how this plays out on the pro tours for recreational players. Totally makes sense. No, again, no brainer rule. 
But uh, this has potential for some fun and pro games. There are a few that I've read throughout these changes that will be interesting how the PGA Tour or tournament golf in general will implement these changes. Yeah, I definitely. So. Now, to continue the game, to, can you, to continue going forward, uh, we're going to deal with accidents because the USGA and RNA rules changes, the proposed changes deal with accidents. And this is where we kind of get into a lot of the Dustin Johnson ter- territory here. Um, if you are searching for your golf ball and you accidentally move it, you didn't mean to, but you accidentally. The current rule is that a one-stroke penalty. The new rule, no penalty. Along those lines, if a player accidentally moves his or her ball or ball marker on the putting green, you're walking around trying to read, and maybe you accidentally kick your ball on the putting green with your foot. It used to be a one-stroke penalty. There were exceptions, but now no penalties. This is this is made to make the game just. I know we keep using the term simpler, but the idea is to make it easier, to not have all these rules floating around in your head like, oh crap, I just moved my ball. Is it two strokes? Is it one stroke? Did I mean to do it? I know I didn't mean to do it, but like, I'm playing a, he- a, you know, a heavily contested match here. And it just, it makes all these things kind of escape your mind and it should, it should put ease at the golfer's mind. Yeah, this is another one of those rules. It doesn't happen a lot in the pro game where a guy accidentally kicks his golf ball on the green. No. Or, you know, if you're searching for a golf ball, I, can't, I, I wasn't able to even come up with a time where a ball was moved while searching for it. But for recreational golfers, of course it happens. You go stomping through the long grass yep. and, oh, there's the ball. You know, if you're a rules-abiding golfer, that's, yep. you know, that's a shot. Or, so, or if one of your playing partners is a rules-abiding golfer. Yeah, yeah. So, again, this is just this is a nice rule for the amateur players. I don't see it having a big effect in the pro game, but I like that it's there now. Yeah, it makes it easier. Uh, with that in mind, another accident-fixing rule <laughs> proposed change. If your ball in motion accidentally hits yourself, hits a caddy, hits an unattended flag stick, someone attending that flag stick. It used to be a one-stroke penalty, again, with exceptions, no longer a penalty. One of those things, just making silly, dumb accidents that happen on the golf course, just help them be taken care of in a simple fashion. I will say I'm a little upset about this rule, only because I really liked when professionals would hit a bunker shot, and it would come back at them, and they would kind of have to do the matrix to <laughs> yeah. try to avoid getting hit. Uh, so that that's going to go away. But other than that, I think it's great. I mean, I think their instincts will take over and they'll probably still do it, but it, there, there won't be a penalty for it. Yes, yes. But, I mean, to not have to worry about accidentally hitting someone's bag or having to wait for someone to move their bag if it's in your way, again, just it goes to uh, speeding up the game yeah. completely. We or could, accidentally drilling your caddy with a ball. Yeah, like, that wasn't my fault. No penalty yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, to continue with the flag stick, actually, nowadays, now with these new rules – you're going to be able to putt with the flagstick in the hole and hit the flagstick without penalty. The current rule is that you would lose the hole in match play, two-stroke penalty uh, in stroke play, um, and if the ball, especially if the ball is played, and only if the ball is played from putting green. The new rule is that no penalty if the ball is played from the putting green or anywhere else and it hits an unintended flagstick in the hole. So. I'm just thinking, you and me are out there, Jeff and I are out there, we're trying to play quickly, the sun's going down, we don't want to run up there, and Jeff's in the bunker, and I'm 60 feet away on the green, and I hit the flag stick. Well, that's a that's a loss of hole, two-stroke penalty for me. That's just, it's kind of brutally strict, don't you think? Yeah, it, this is another one of those rules where amateurs or casual rounds, this this, they, this is what they do. We're you're ready, you play it, with yep. the flag stick in. If you play as a single, you probably... Yeah. Putt with the flagstick in more often than not because you don't have a partner to take it out. So you just want to keep things moving. 
But if you're a single who likes to play by the rules, now you're within the rules to do that. Yeah. So again, a nice a nice rule for the recreational golfers here. I, I got no problems with it whatsoever. It's a great idea. This is another one of the rules, though, where I'm interested to see what the PGA Tour does with it. Because uh, like one of our colleagues brought up, if a putt was very fast downhill or something, you could almost leave the flag in um, in hopes of using it as a backboard almost or kind of as True. a way to stop it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of approach this one. And if uh, Rory Sabatini leaves Ben Crane in the dust again, he can just leave the, the stick in as he moves right along. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to take it out when he taps in. That's right. It should be noted that a lot of these rules are going to have the offer of a local rule. You know, the yes. PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour, the European Tour, all the professional tours are going to have the option, obviously, of incorporating their own local rules. So as you'll see, we'll go forward and there'll be certain things that you think, I don't know if the pros are really going to take to this. Can the pros use this to their own advantage? Those kind of things can be adapted. So the PGA Tour will come out, I'm sure, probably maybe a year from now as we get closer to 2019 and say, well, these rules that are going to be implemented, these are our slight little spin on them. So we don't have guys doing that, using the the pin as a backboard of some sort. Yeah, and that's been a, a controversial point in golf over the last few years is should the pros have a different set of rules than amateurs? These rules are written in a way that, that takes that first step, where the rules are written one way, but local rules are open to be adopted. Uh, you wonder if this is the gateway towards eventually uh, a different golf ball for pros. Or different, yeah, there's different things that get kicked around. Yeah, I had the same exact thought reading this. Yeah. I think it's kind of the first step to bifurcation. They're testing or, waters anyway. Yeah. I, I would agree. See. I would agree. Now, we'd be on the green and, and that would be the area of the course in which we would be if we were worried about this unattended flag stick rule. To stay on the green, we're going to get to the Dustin Johnson rule, everyone's favorite uh, <laughs> ruling or lack thereof last year for a long time at the, U, uh, at the U.S. Open at Oakmont. Uh, it has to do with replacing a ball on the putting green when it moves from its original spot uh, after it had already been lifted and replaced. So Dustin Johnson had picked up his ball. Obviously his caddy wipes it off, gives it back to DJ. He marks it uh, and then goes back and puts it down. Well, he pulls his mark away and the ball, because I'm pretty darn sure gravity took over on Oakmont Slick Greens, the ball moves, and for about two hours we didn't know what Dustin Johnson's score was. So the new rule is that the ball must always be replaced on its original spot if it accidentally moves, if gravity, wind take over, even if it was blown by the wind or moved for no clear reason. And I think that this rule obviously was made important because of Dustin Johnson. What right. happened last year at the key, the major USGA event. If you were going to put odds on the board, the Las Vegas style of rules to be changed, this one, oh. would, have, this one would have been off the board. Oh, yeah. This is, this is where the USGA had to start no with addressing taken. this. We talked about a lot of rules already that are done with the amateurs in mind. This one's done with the pros in mind. Yeah. This is, they're the ones playing on these greens that stimp at a 13, and a little gust of wind can take their golf ball, and it's it causing havoc in these tournaments. It had to be addressed. And it wasn't just Glad the USGA, did. though. Like, it came to a forefront because – the champion of the USGA event. Yeah, but it hadn't happened yet. It happened. You're correct, yeah. Um, all, all over the tour. But, I mean, it's interesting, too, that, like, 
it's it's up to the player who moved the ball now. It's up to their discretion to yeah. say, oh, I moved this right. Didn't where DJ was very clear to say, I did not make that ball move, and he was still assessed a penalty. Now it's written and with Lee the, Westwood who's playing with right, him. Right. Like, yeah. It was those two essentially versed the the uh, rules official. And now the play, the, the powers <laughs> excuse me. Now the powers black in the uh, the player's hand, yeah. which is nice. Yeah, I mean that that's something I have written down for later is the fact that it it actually empowers the player. We'll get to that later. It's important. Dustin Johnson, I know you're tuning in, DJ. It's all good, buddy, in 2019. Um, staying on the green, this is another important rule that occasionally popped up on the PGA Tour when guys would complain about ball uh, spike marks on the green. Um, in regards to repairing damage on the green, the current rule is that a player can only repair ball marks or hole plugs on the putting green. The new rule is that a player may repair almost any damage, essentially any unnatural damage, a ball mark, a spike mark, a hole plug, anything that was unnatural to the golf course. I'm going to stop you right there, Sean. I've already named this rule. (laughs) This is the Simon Dyson rule. Okay. Okay. 2013 BMW Masters. Simon Dyson taps, taps a spike mark in front of his ball, is disqualified, is uh, charged forty nine thousand dollars, and gets a two month ban from the European Tour. Wait, wait, he got charged forty nine thousand dollars because it's against the rules. It was seen as an act of cheating to tap down the spike mark. So that is uh, why I'm dubbing this the Simon Dyson oh, rule. Wow. And what is Simon Dyson doing today? I mean, what happened? Where you at, this, Simon? Was this the end? Sorry, Ooh. buddy. We might have to have him. Come you on should call the European Tour, Simon. Get that money back. You yeah, know, you know what I will brutal. miss. Uh, this rule makes a lot of sense, but I'm, there's one thing I'm going to miss, which is. When the pro misses the three-foot putt and angrily taps down the spike marks right yeah. afterwards, yeah. I'm, I'm going to miss that. Yeah. I always like, like that. Great move. example of that, that at the Honda Classic this weekend. Yeah, it's every week. You'll it's see that. fantastic. Yeah, yeah every it weekend is. has one of those on the TV broadcast. I'm going you know, to kind of miss that. <laughs> I'm but. going to pause for a second and tell a fun little story. Um, this, is, this is five or six years ago. I'm caddying, and I'm back home in Wisconsin, and this is the, the club match play. And we've got, I'm caddying for the owner of the club. This is the golf club owner. And he's playing against one of the newer members. We're going to call the new member Dr. P. The owner is GT. Well, they're going down to 16, 16 green. And GT is trying to putt in from about five feet to win the hole, extend the match to 17. He's going to be one down after 16. He gets a stroke on 17. He gets a stroke on 18. We're in full comeback mode. (laughs) He's got. I like that you're a team with yeah. him too. You're he needs. Guy. He needs. He needs to two putt. Two putt from five feet to win the 16th hole. He fixes a spike mark, and Dr. P, one of the relatively newer members to the club, calls out the owner of the club. Says, "You can't do that. You lose the hole. You have created this club of, <laughs> that I'm a member of, but." You're you're losing this hole. I'm winning three and two. We're walking back into the clubhouse together. Sorry, but those are the rules of golf. And I remember being a little bit biased, being on the bag of the owner of the club. But I was just thinking, like, man, it takes some guts to be that strict with the rules. The spike mark rule made no sense to me, and it never did until finally the USJ has made moves on it. As the caddy, I mean, shouldn't you have advised your player in that moment not to not to I'll take that I'll spike, take partial blame. Mark? I mean, I'll was... take partial blame. Well, technically, he would have had to have asked the playing his playing partner if he could have fixed it. If we're getting really technical, yeah. But I no, it's yeah. there was at that point it was a pretty hasty match, and there wasn't a whole <laughs> lot of words being. Exchange. So I probably would have said no pretty quick anyway. And there were no words exchanged on the walk home. So that's where we went after that. So today is a great day. 
out there in suburban Wisconsin. Yeah. There's a... Yeah, yeah happy. I, I cannot wait to send an email. Somewhere in Wisconsin, wherever Simon Dyson is, right <laughs> yeah. here. We're all happy with this one. Yeah. I think that's a great exactly. change. Let's keep it going. Uh, we're going to move to the bunker. We've got a couple more rules to talk about, but the bunker, there was a couple big decisions made regarding the bunker. The first one, players who move or touch a loose impediment in a bunker when your ball is in the bunker. Currently, it would be a loss of hole, two-stroke penalty with exceptions again. No longer a penalty to remove loose impediments from the bunker while your ball's in the bunker. That just makes a lot of sense. We're just like we're trying to we're trying to remove any randomness that might happen right. at any golf club anywhere. This is kind of a vague wording though. So, but so that, to me, I took this as if there's a leaf or a rock right somewhere around my ball, I can move it. But also, like, isn't the sand? Isn't every single piece of sand in a bunker a loose impediment? <laughs> <laughs> Just, just throwing that one out there. Yeah. Well, there's rock. You know, sand. There's rocks. Right. What is rock? Where does rock become sand? Or mm. sand become? Dry? I mean, we got so, all the way up to the boulder with I, Tiger. I hadn't thought about this. I like that's a fair point. Yeah. yeah. The boulder. We're not going to have the answers for that at <laughs> golf.com. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, thank you, Sean, for the for that clarification. Those details. Now to stay in the bunker, if you touch the sand in a bunker with your hand or your club while your ball is in the bunker, that used to be a penalty. You could not, obviously you can't ground your club, but if you accidentally dropped your club in the bunker, that's a penalty. The current rule, any touching of the sand was a loss of hole, two-stroke penalty. Now, the new rule is there is no penalty except when a player touches the sand to give himself an advantage to test the conditions of the sand, or if he touches the sand directly in front of or directly behind the golf ball as he would be grounding his club prior to hitting it. So that just really clarifies this huge, massive area that we know as the bunker to, as far as touching it, it's really only before and be behind the golf ball. I love how it condensed the area yeah. in which you can create a penalty. And one of our Facebook questions here was, so grounding your club in the beach would improve your lie, wouldn't it? So obviously they didn't understand that it still is, you cannot ground your club behind the ball. Yep. It's still the same rules there, but if you, like you said, if you accidentally dropped your club, you would have been charged penalty, now you won't. Mm -hmm. Do you read this? Is can I take a practice swing in a bunker now? As long as I'm not behind or next that, to the ball, that's what I'm trying to figure out from this. Is to just if that I'm was unclear to, to me as well. I I, step I, to the side or just you know away from my ball, away from the line I'm going to play. If I just want to take a couple swings and well, no, I, way, I don't. I, do I don't that? think you can. I think that would. Be, I, don't think so? I think that would be testing the. Yeah, uh, you cannot test okay. the conditions of the testing bunker. Testing the conditions, and that's important. And I'm sure that there are many ways in which you can test the conditions of a bunker, but really, it just kind of eliminates. When you make a, a dumb mistake, you fall, you trip, you drop your club, that kind of stuff. The bunker is not supposed to be an easy place for you to get out of right. or to play from, but now they've made it easy for you to understand what's happening while you're in there. Um, and in regards of equipment, the USGA and RNA made a couple other moves that are, they're, you're not going to see them incorporate a whole lot, but they're still important nonetheless. Use of damaged clubs. The current rule is a player may use a damaged club only if it was damaged in the normal course of play. You hit from behind a tree and you bend the shaft of your iron. You are upset. Uh, uh, no, you're not upset. And you, you, I don't even know another form in which you would hurt your club, damage your club. Pretty much car path or tree are the only ones I can come up with, yeah. Now, a player... Or fit of rage. Yes. Now, a player may use a damaged club even if it happens when you are upset. John Daly... What's up? If you are upset and you snap a club or if you throw your putter on the cart path or you do something to make your club 
different than it was before. You can still use it. Yeah, Zach Blair last year at Quail Hollow got disqualified. He uh, missed a putt, hit himself in the head. Yep. Continued playing the the shafted bent, and he was disqualified from the event. Zach, you can it's hit yourself Zach, in the head all you want it's now. The Zach Blair rule. I wouldn't. Yeah, advise yeah. It. I wouldn't advise hitting yourself in the head with the golf club. I've been there a couple of times. As has Woody Austin. <laughs> doesn't doesn't work out well for you or the club generally. Um, another thing about equipment is the use of distance measuring devices. The current rule is that DMDs, or as they've been referred to, are no are not allowed uh, unless a local rule has allowed it to happen. Nowadays, use of DMDs is allowed across the board. Again, the PGA Tour, European Tour, professional golf will probably have its own local rule for this kind of stuff, but it will, it will be allowed for you to go play any event unless there's a local rule and shoot it, not need a caddy. You can shoot the distance. You can keep track of where you are on the course a lot easier. That kind of stuff, not a huge deal. and You're probably not going to see it different on tour, but it's still a change that makes it easy for you. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to hear if the tour does adopt a local rule. I mean, I, I, I like this rule as written because golf is bending to the amateur player, the recreational player. Mm-hmm. We like to use these in casual rounds. And, these, and to, this technology's fun, and we don't have caddies, and this is what casual golfers most, do. Most tournaments these days are writing in that local rule anyway that you can use them. So this is basically just taking a step out for them and saying, go for it. Yeah. You know. So I, I, I would hope, though, I would expect, like, you're right, I, I would think major championships on all, all levels, they're going to eliminate the, the distance measuring devices to make the caddies work, but I haven't heard that yet. I'm so, interested to hear uh, if it's... If, John Wood, PGA Tour caddy um, for Matt Kuchar, writes in for us for Tour Confidential each week. He uh, talked about it in his answer about the rules questions that we posed, um, that he do, he does want to see the PJ Tour write in a local rule because he thinks it's an art form and a skill to get the right number. So he he's all for there being a local rule against lasers in PJ Tour play. Yeah, I mean, that that's really testing the caddy skill because these guys that are playing on tour, they have not been really reading distances for a long time unless they're, yeah. uh, unless they're playing in their their spring break 2k17 rules down at baker's bay um, one last thing i have written about the rules is that power is given really back to the player now these rules have been in use for hundreds of years and the power has kind of been distributed among the player his playing partners and any of the uh, rules committee the, the rules officials that are following along and now things that silly things that happen like what happened to dustin johnson last year like what's happened to Dustin Johnson in the past um, and a number of other tour pros, the power is given back to them. You said discretion earlier, Sean. It makes sense to allow these guys to use the, the people they're playing with, use their caddy, use witnesses to, to make sense of what happened. And I think most importantly, they are not to be second-guessed by slow-motion video review. Right. I think that goes right back to the root of how this game was started. I mean, it's a gentleman's game. That's how it's been Integrity. said, you know, for Honor. years and years and years. So I think, you know, what I say as a player, I should be honest. And I think that's part of the game of golf. I think that's what makes it so great is that, you know, I'm going to be honest and forthcoming if I made a mistake or if I didn't. And there was never a way to enforce, you know, once we started introducing instant replay and television reviews and all of this a few years ago, now we continue to get away from it, which is great. You could never do that fairly because it wasn't every shot of every player of every round is on TV for people to review. You could, it, it, I know you're trying to protect the field, but you can't. The way to protect the field is this way. Players and their partners decide for themselves. And that's it. Yeah, and it makes sense. anyone that's been in golf media is at least akin to the fact that if you are a tour player that either plays slow, 
doesn't real you know tends to maybe bend the rules a little bit might cheat from time to time those players kind of get weeded out and in the in the age of social media if you do cheat on that level you're going to be picked out people are going to share that and regardless of whether or not your discretion is questioned in the moment it's not going to last very long so i, I just think that that's an important part is that they are empowering the player more than they ever have before so i don't know about you guys I think we've crushed the rules. Do you have any others that you think I do. really stood I out? I do. I have one more. Uh, this, What they've done here, this is a bigger rule, I think, on the LPGA Tour than anywhere else, but what they've done is they've said that caddies can no longer stand behind a player as they get... Uh, let me read it exactly. Uh, a caddy is not allowed to stand on a line behind a player while the player is taking his or her stance and until the stroke is made. So no more will we see caddies standing behind saying, yep, you're aimed where you want, and then they go. Uh, which I think is going to be huge for speeding up the the pace of play. Love that one. The other rule that I think is worth mentioning it's it's a I find it almost unintentionally funny, but I love it. Is that anybody who hits a ball in a bunker and just doesn't want to play in a bunker anymore, just drop it out, take two shot penalty. So again, this is recreational golfers in mind, obviously, but I just love that. If you're yeah. a golfer who doesn't like the My sand, can't play like out of the one. sand, yep. just, you put it in there, take two shots, and just go. I, I love it. Well, we can leave it at that for now. Thank you for tuning in on Facebook. Yes, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you for tuning Everybody. in on iTunes. If you're on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, golf.com podcast. Every week, sometimes twice a week, sometimes three times a week, if you're lucky. We'll leave it at that for now. Big thanks to not only these dudes for joining me today, but also the USGA and RNA for working to make the game a better game for everyone. Until next time, I'm your host, Sean Zock. <laughs>